The following is brought to you by the Starfleet Podcast Network, SPN, The Spin. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Beyond Track <laughs> Podcast. This is Dag. In the room with me today, I got Renzo and special guest Excalibur 009 coming straight from um, censored, uh, classified, location undetermined. We're going to be talking to him about uh, one of the greatest feats any model maker can aspire to the full construction of a scale model of the USS Enterprise A, Constitution class, everybody's baby. Nobody loves the Sovereign anymore. Welcome to the show, Excalibur. How's it going? How's it going? Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's a blast. Uh, like, geez, we started this podcast like five years ago, and I've known you for like three times that long. Easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, great well, to have I you on the like show. I feel like the third wheel. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, Renzo. I hang out with you a lot more often. <laughs> a red alert. Busy, busy. Um, so, okay. So you, you built a scale model. Now, I remember uh, you were, like last year was it, I think you were sending me um, pictures of all the Star Trek models that you had acquired and that you were starting with uh the enterprise a Mm -hmm. and what what made you lead off with that one uh okay so this one's uh it's a bit of an interesting backstory so i a long time ago in the galaxy far far away wrong uh, friend i know (laughs) (laughs) gotta throw a little twist in there um but uh, when when I was a kid, I had actually built that model. I'd always been obsessed with the refit. I remember the first time I saw it uh, as a kid, watching the the movies, Wrath of Khan, uh, and the subsequent movies after that. Of course, Wrath of Khan is probably one of the ones that people know most. Undiscovered Country. Um, of course, that hadn't even been out yet when I had built the movie, or when I built the the model the first time. And but I always loved the design. Like I never fell in love with the 70s show uh, TOS Enterprise of the original series it was always that movie ship and it was just the most gorgeous thing to me the lines the saucer the lack of a big old antenna dish on the front the the glowing blue lights just everything about it. And then of course you know you throw in the music and the music's just like pumping in your heart and you're just oh you feel the whole thing so but uh, trying to build that model as a kid with absolutely no patience and, you know, growing up with Legos and like, I just build it quickly. This glue was no problem. And I could never get it right. Um, I actually come to find out in my older years that I suffered what many did. And that is the nefarious nacelle sag of that ship because of the weight of the nacelles would drag down on the pylon supports and they would just droop. And it had to look right. So... Um, you know, fast forward to today, uh, I started getting into models again, um, prior to, to actually building the, this enterprise, um, I experimented with, uh, an, an XO one refit. I did that. And then subsequently I did the discovery enterprise, both with light kits, um, and, and all the bells and whistles, the decals and all that stuff to make it look as accurate to the shows as possible. But I found I could do more. And so now I get to re- now I get to live out this dream of how I visualized the enterprise as a kid, building it, wanting to see it look like it did in the movie as close as possible. And so uh, so I was like, okay, I could take this challenge on again. I built two other ship models. I built three Subaru WRC cars that look absolutely fantastic. Like I got this. I could do this. I've got the hands, the patience, the technology's there now, you know. Um, so I'm gonna do this. I set on this 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 journey and you know, I picked up my first model, I started on it, and uh uh just like started going through it, taught myself how to solder, taught myself how to, you know, to try to do the paint right and everything else, hours of research. Uh, for lighting, for paint scheme, and it had to be the A. It had to be the A. 
I love the blue highlights. Uh, you know, some people will argue and be like, it's the Yorktown. No, it's not. It got redesignated. So don't argue. It still looks beautiful. So, and you never forget that, like that moment when that, when you see the, you know, the, the registry for the first time after the destruction and Rathacon and like does that little swoop over the saucer and you see it. And it's just there. It's NCC 1701A. And you're just like, <laughs> so so yeah so so that that's that's where i'm at and the the other part of it was the challenge so knowing that i was going to encounter the issues potentially i was like i could do this now i could do it and then i didn't <laughs> and then i had to start over <laughs> two months into building the model i had to start over uh but it was but because i wouldn't give up i was like no i'm, I'm going to achieve my dream this is my moment. This is my Mona Lisa. And so you now fast forward. Now here we are after months of work and patience and time. She's done. So, so then I have to ask them, how did you beat the nacelle sag? Uh, so that's, that was probably one of the coolest parts was, um, so I'd seen there's, there's a couple of really, really cool guys and I'm going to give them a bit of a shout out. Uh, Cause I follow them on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it now. Uh, Bill Krause, who actually most people in who are fans of Star Trek know, and if they've seen any of Picard, he was heavily involved with that. His his ships absolutely gorgeous. He he does commissions. Um, we interviewed him. He was great. Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. You got to talk to him. I he's kind of like a he's like an idol slash mentor for me because. Even though I never, I don't think I'll ever be that good. I don't have that level of craftsmanship. Boy, I sure wish I could because it, you know, it just inspires, uh, inspires me. Another one's uh, JJ model making. And actually he was really super instrumental in helping me with pick some stuff. Um, he's a UK model builder. He does commissions all the time. Always Star Trek, almost always Star Trek ships exclusively. Um, and so yeah, I, I really pinged him quite a few times for from some ideas. I'm trying not to do too much because I know that they do it for a living, you know, or as a side hustle or whatever. But it's, you know, I don't want to take away from the business. I just want to build my own. I don't want to buy it. I take the pleasure in the work myself, I guess. I like to DIY a lot of stuff. So, but yeah, those those guys, awesome. Now, a lot of the parts but that you didn't yeah. answer the question though. So, I, what did you do though to put oh, the cell? Oh, right, right. Sorry, I got I got trapped in idling, idolization of people who inspire me. Anyways, uh, so for the cell sag, uh, what I did was, uh, I took and I took a second model because the first one was scrapped at that point. Um, and so, uh, and I'd already like hosed so many different things. I won't go into detail, but, uh, so. I, what I did was I took parts of the model. I took the, the lower secondary hull. I took the lower section of the saucer. Um, I took the inner pylon structures. And then I took the inner nacelles. And I kind of just Jimmy hot glued it together to get it to stay. Because at that stage with no paint, it's really, really light. And I wanted to get everything aligned just right. Because that's at, at the base of the secondary hull is where the a lot of the problems lie not just the weakness but also alignment like if you were to just put them on there no matter what you do they're not going to sit right though so they'll never sit perfect the mold is just it's a broken mold and it's been broken since the 90s but uh so what i did instead it's was i got like it was built to be in space almost almost but even if you built it in space though like the nacelles you'd have this weird like tilt to him like one sits higher than the other and you never know which side it's going to do it wait what so, are we talking about again <laughs> we're talking about the nacelle sag uh, <laughs> i don't know where you went with that just now Dag, stay on target <laughs> uh but anyways so I, I i put everything together i lined it up and then um i i marked on it where I was going to insert some dowel pins. And so what I did was I took brass rod, just like, I think it was like one sixteenth inch brass rod. And I cut little sections. And uh, at the marks, I drilled holes inside the uh, the secondary hole, uh, slotted those, 
drew kind of like use a Dremel for some grooves on the pylons and then made sure that it all made it up together nice and smooth and tight. And I double checked my alignment, put everything together and uh, that was where it was at. So once I had that down, um, it was like back to wiring and stuff like that until I could get it back together a second time and, and, and stand it up. So, and that, that's cool. what I did it. So like gaps and things like that were present. Uh, I used Tamiya filler putty um, to kind of fill in the gaps, which is a, like for any model maker, as someone who's been through like three different types of putty, <laughs> trying to find which one is the best bond and which one's going to dry well and which one's not going to crack under pressure. That's probably like the best stuff, hands down. Smells terrible, but it's a nice strong bond. Um, also to counteract any gaps on the inside, um, I filled it with another epoxy. So really like securely reinforcing the, the pylons so there's not like any wobble. Um, the pylons have these like tabs that come off and where they kind of fit in the hole. And, uh, but there's a huge gap. There's a huge gap. So there's no support on the inside. And that's probably part of the reason why it sags the way it does. So to count, you know, the, the pins were going to do their job, but I wanted, I wanted to engineer it as best as I could. So after I had run all my wires and everything else, and I was putting it together that way, I just filled it in with the green stuff epoxy and then that kind of just helped it out so with the weight of the nacelles and everything coupled with like the lights and the leds and the wires like i just wanted to make sure it wasn't going to move anymore <laughs> no it makes sense make it yeah. as firm as you can so that they never sag there's no mm -hmm. risk of it right so but that was probably one of the biggest challenges to overcome for that particular model <clears throat> Now, some of the parts that you use don't actually come with the model. There's transparent parts that that you have to acquire separately. That is that is very true. So um, in order to, again, kind of attain that as close to move your accurate as possible, um, I had to go with uh, some custom resin parts. And so I went through a few different companies to get things. So the thrusters the front nacelles uh the 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 you're gonna you're gonna yell at me because i'm gonna say it wrong but the the bussard collectors at the front of the nacelles i never know how to pronounce it because i back in the day for all the guys who used to do the custom models and stuff with star trek uh went through a, a guy it was uh don's light and magic or the, the dlm for short um and he'd been doing resin custom stuff for years so he passed away and the business got passed off to a kid named Cass. And so he picked up the mantle and has been doing all of Don's old stuff. Um, so that's where I got a lot of those. The front deflector and the impulse, uh, the impulse engine array. So including, you know, the the whole uh, uh, the whole main structure uh, for M the impulse engines, the impulse crystal itself and then the actual the engine lights uh those actually came from a guy uh it's like uh they call it green strawberry it's it's actually a guy out of like czechoslovakia but he prints a lot of resin stuff too and so um that's where i sourced those parts and then the rest of it was ingenuity and uh for some of the lighting and stuff i did uh 1.5 millimeter fiber optic and cut it to length and stuff. So like some of the places you see thrusters where there shouldn't, the model wouldn't support thrusters, uh, like at the back of the nacelles, that was all done with 1.5 millimeter uh, uh, fiber optic. So. That's awesome. Yep. And how much fiber optic did you have to run through the whole thing in, in total? Like how many yards of the stuff is there in there? Actually, uh, none. I mean, it, it, there's there's probably an inch or so, maybe. The rest of it is all LEDs of different types, so and different sizes. Um, the model actually requires. Part of my original plan was to set up this, and, and my other models will will uh, attain this, but was to do um, was USB power because mm -hmm. I wanted like 
portability. I can put up like, you know, I could just put all my models in one place and have just little dainty like USB cables and not a bunch of wiring I'd have to mess with. And uh, and so uh, instead, this one is using a 12 volt power supply. But yeah, no, um, uh, because of the amount of LEDs I required more than USB could provide. And so that's, uh, so it's, I want to say, let's see, six, six or eight strips in the saucer, just little cut sections of three LEDs from an LED strip thing that you can buy for like 10 bucks on Amazon. Sure. Um, nacelles have uh, two sets each for the blue uh, because of the length of the nacelle. I wanted to capture the glow properly without having any dimming on either side. Um, let's see what else. Uh, I ran some of those strips on the inside of the secondary hole because it's so bright that it can kind of you know, illuminate the the windows without having to need to be direct placement. So, and then the rest of it was just these little like micro LEDs um, for different spots. And then lastly, I used for the spots was three millimeter LEDs, but those are like legit LEDs for like the navigation lights, the strobe lights in the back of the nacelles. Um, that's what those were covered with. Interesting. So I am curious then in most like fan-made miniatures that are lit in from the interior like this, I do see most of them using fiber optics. Like sure, they'll have the running lights and such using dedicated LEDs, but most things will just be like fiber optic strings with like a color filter on them to get the right color. What made you choose to do like so many LED, like dedicated LEDs? Uh, Cause lack of knowledge. I didn't even know people did that. <laughs> so I figured technology, the size of the ship, <clears throat> Um, some of the light kits that I had already run uh, with the Discovery Enterprise and then even the NXL one those were kits that I like I bought and sourced and then followed the instructions and and, and that ran them so it was really just a matter of like everything was pre-cut ready to go and they were all just using standard LEDs so I didn't know anything better beyond that so I you know I could see where the fiber optic would be um tempting or you know uh encouraged because there because of the leds there is a bit of warmth with the ship itself not enough and this was just even during my testing there's not enough to to warrant to me anyway to warrant that like it that the plastic can't sustain it because it's not that hot but it is warm to the touch like when you run it for long periods of time you can put your hand on a hull or like on the nacelles where the LEDs are a little bit closer and they're in the constant on state. Right. And, uh, you know, you can feel some of the heat, but I, I didn't see it as being a problem. So it just meant more wiring. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more <laughs> wiring resistors, stuff like that, you know? And, um, I mean, I built everything from scratch, uh, all the wiring and stuff and I'm getting better at it every time I do it, but, you know, I probably could have mitigated a lot of some of that if I had taken some different approaches. Well, I'm sure there's some advantages too to your method. Like, so I'm sure there's trade-offs, pros and cons for both. Mm -hmm. I was just curious, like if there would have been like an operant reason, but no, cool. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious, there's a lot of windows on this thing. How many holes did you have to drill in the model? I don't know if I can count those. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd have to pull the model down and then actually do that. <laughs> Pretty much. 1,701. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, sec the secondary hole had no holes. Uh, the saucer section came pretty much pre-drilled, I guess you could say. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was really just the secondary hole and then the neck that I had to do. And then everything else was... Uh, was already set up for me and that was just with like a refined dremel tool or yes uh so i started out with a pin vise because that's what everybody uses and so i i never knew what a pin vise was until i got into this i still uh, don't know what a pin vise is oh it's uh stick it it's so it's a um a pin vise is a uh what's well, a device think of it like um think of it like a screwdriver but instead you have like a really really fine drill bit at the end and okay. so 
the the back of it's usually free spinning so that way that you can kind of hold on to it and apply pressure but you could still spin it and keep it steady um but i will tell you that doing that long term is a terrible idea <laughs> uh so and i'm always in the pursuit of is there a better way to do this so for anybody that ever wants to to skip the pin vice method because that's what a lot of modelers talk about doing oh, you just take a pin vice yeah, no, I'm not going to sit there for three hours drilling this thing. So um, I found on Amazon in just my infinite searches, uh, a little, it's it's a brand called Aeromax. And it's it's about yay long. It's battery powered. It's USB-C. So no, no changing batteries. Uh, but it's a really tiny motorized drill. And it just, my wife tells me it sounds like a dentist drill because you yes. just, Sorry. <laughs> it's just, but uh, you know, you sit there and you do that and it, it, it works just like the pin vice does. And then it frees you up without having to get hand cramps or anything. Really cool. That's one of my favorite tools out of, out of everything I've found so far doing this. So any other like standout memories of challenges besides the nacelle sag? Something that was like, you know, that's a cool idea. I might do that, but maybe not this time. Like anything, anything that really stands out for you? Um, trying to think because there's so many parts of it were memorable. It, you know, every, every, every bit of progress that was made was just kind of like, okay, conquered that one on to the next, conquered that of on to the next. Um, learning the solder was a big one. I'd never, I never had soldered before because I didn't, I wasn't content with like buying just a light kit and settling for somebody else's design. Right. It was like, I got to capture all of this stuff and coming up with all these neat ideas to do it. Um, so soldering was uh, a cool uh, skill to learn. Um, started out with just an iron and then, upgraded to a full kit with like everything that I needed. So I wouldn't risk burning myself or setting the house on fire. Uh, let's see. What are the, what are the things can I think of? Then the cell sag challenge was, was really, really good when it worked. Um, just because like, I didn't know, like I was like the, here's how I saw it as um, something I could overcome. So I was going to do that. Um, the other so there's a couple of key pieces that I was really, really happy with that came out and it had to do with the resin stuff. So for instance, the deflector, um, really, really happy about that because if you, uh, if you look at it in the video and stuff, it's obviously it's light up, right? This, the center draws your attention, but what people don't notice is the four thrusters around the edge, the yellow spots. Those are, those are directional thrusters to help steer the ship from mooring and whatever. Um, and those light up too. So, so you, it, they're more apparent in the dark than, you know, in the lighting of the video that you've seen Renzo, mm -hmm. yep. but, uh, but they're there. And so that took, a, that was a bit of a challenge because I had to lay out the labels to line up where the lights were going to go. Then I had to like cut into the deflector housing just enough so I could mount LEDs in there. And then that way, then I could get that effect. Um, and then like the, that was, I mean, they that look was fantastic. Another... I'm just looking at them right now. Yeah. It's that was, that was hard to do trying to get that right. And then I think the other thing that I really had some challenges with was the whole like mating resin to polystyrene and getting it aligned just right. <laughs> Cause there's no, there's no diagram to do it. You just kind of kind of look at it and go, and you can look at the instructions that are provided to you, but at the end of the day, you're gonna, you're gonna wing it with the knife um, and mistakes can be easily made. So there's always that paranoia, so. Did you ever consider having it with like an open shuttle bay and having like a thing going on inside of that? I did um so the guys that do the 1350 scale so this is the so there's three scales of the this model kit right the one 1000 one five three seven and then the 1350 the 1350 is totally built for it and i could 
I could see myself doing the exact same thing if I had three feet of space or I wanted to kick my wife out of the bed. Um, Cause that that's where the ship would probably have to live, but it, it's a, it's a massive model and it has the room to do that. And I've seen so many glorious modelers who, you know, they could buy the kits even with the Arduino boards and then you get the nice, cool, open, um, the open, uh, uh, the open shuttle bay doors with the running lights, the shuttles in there and, and whatnot. There, I was trying at one point to replicate um, the rear lighting. So at the back of the ship is actually a custom resin piece as well, because the one that comes with the model is not even remotely movie accurate. I didn't do the best job at it, but I did, I think, fairly decent with what my skill set was at the time. And so um, it still looks way better than, than what the ship came with. But I was, I was going to try to light that area, and I just couldn't do it, not without risking cracking the resin mm -hmm. or, you know, making a mess of the model even further. It's just, it's just really tight space. So, but it was tempting. Yeah, I'd say yeah, for the effort that you put in there, it looks beautiful. <laughs> Definitely. Now we just need a little uh, little worker bee shuttle pod to like line up with it. <laughs> right there on the docking port on the side. <sighs> I, I'm very happy with it though. It is it 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 is slightly emotional in the sense that it's a bit of a dream come true. Um I'm excited for the next one I'm going to do already because, you know, I mentioned like the soldering and learning that skill. Now I'm going to dive into airbrushing. I've never done it before, but it is the better way to go. So if you don't want to lose any model detail, you don't want to have to deal with super thick paints, which I mean, that's all I ever grew up using. So that's all I really knew how to use uh, this go around. But uh, this the next time I'm gonna I'm gonna teach myself how to airbrush and go that method because you can just get all of the additional details. You just you kind of lose a little bit when you when you do have, enamels. Have you announced what you're gonna make next? Uh so I'm a little torn. I really want to kind of start over. <clears throat> my original goal, uh, when I acquired all of this plastic in my house was to do like the complete one 1000 scale line of the, all of the enterprises up until the point where it stops being one 1000. And then it goes to one 1400 scale with the ambassador class, the galaxy class, and then finally the sovereign. Right. Um, so I kind of want to do that just because it'd be a much simpler model to work on after spending, you know, almost seven months, you know, that's including the time spent, on the original model before the restart and everything. Um, it'd be a, a nice way to take a break would be to do maybe like the NX01 refit again. Um, you learning all of the techniques that I've learned doing this model and then also adding all of the lighting effects and everything too. Cause I have one, I did the light kit for it and light kits are cool. Uh, I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong, but there's something about seeing the flashing detail of the lights getting things like the navigation and those aircraft strobes that are notorious on all of the ships it makes it feel alive it gives it life with that little bit of animation that you add to it so <clears throat> that's why i want to do that but i'm also really torn because i have two other uh ships that i'm really really excited to build um, one's the Enterprise C. So I really want to do the Ambassador class. I love that ship design so much. Um, and then the other one, which I'm going to probably get some flack for. I have a friend of mine who who despises it. Uh, but I think it's a beautiful ship. And that's the Nebula class. Love so, the Nebula class. Yeah, I, I do too, man. I love that 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 pod on the back. It gives me... a. It's I know it's not the same aesthetic, but every time I look at it, it gives me, uh, it gives me Reliant vibes. And I, well, I don't know if it's idea. because is it? No, it okay, it is absolutely what the Reliant was to the Constitution, like refit the Nebula was to the Galaxy. That makes that's that's all I've ever felt. So that makes perfect sense. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so and I actually have a 
I have a um a resin kit also from Lake Monster Details, the only place I could find it. I'd love to get an Akira class because I also love that just ship design. Um, Did they actually make like a nice model kit for that? For no, Akira? no. Okay. There's a there is a there. I found it before. I'll have to find it again. There there is a guy that, that he sells a, a resin kit and it's lightable and everything too. But he wants an astronomical amount of money for it. Just buy and an I, NX class and flip it over. Yeah, you could kind of do that. You could kind of <laughs> do that. It does kind of look like that, doesn't it? Yep, most definitely. <laughs> so. I mean, I remember angry fans calling it the Akira Prize before the show ever premiered. <laughs> Way back in 2001. What do we do with this old ship model? We're not using it anymore. <laughs> let's make a whole new show based on this one ship model. And then let's never use the ship model. We'll just digitize the ship from now on. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, but yeah, the Nebula's. Nebula is tempting too because that's Nebula's a lightable kit. The Farragut is such a pretty ship. Mm-hmm. If you're a fan of the Nebula, after we're done, I'm going to show you a custom 3D model that I'm having made for me of a ship that is sort of like a Nebula. Okay. It's, it's a little bit more compact, a little bit smaller with a slightly different mission like design, but it's really cool. And I'll show you that after we're done. All right, cool. I look forward to seeing that. On a yeah. real challenge. Oh, a three Nissan <laughs> Enterprise? Fun. <laughs> So I could try to do that and I would not balk at the challenge of doing that. There's plenty of documentation how to do it. Yeah. Uh, the challenge becomes finding another 11400 scale Enterprise D. So far as I know, AMT has not re-released that ship. I will tell you in my quest for acquiring all of my ships, the first Enterprise D I bought, I paid 50 bucks for it on eBay. It's original 1998 model, still new in box. Then I bought the Nebula. Well, the way the Nebula works is you have to kit bash it with a Galaxy. So you take the parts off of a Galaxy that uh, the Nebula mold doesn't so come with, like the nacelles, the saucer, uh, and then you mate that onto this kit. So I had to find another one. It cost me twice as much to get an enterprise d the second time around so So, yeah i might have run into a hack for you though oh yeah so amt also made a clear enterprise d model kit right it still has the aztec detailing but the plastic itself is completely clear really what Uh is that at i found it for 115 bucks on ebay while googling for this oh my gosh (laughs) That, that seems like it might save you money that's expensive. <laughs> you better buy it before this episode airs because that text that, is going to go out with everybody. Yeah, so, <laughs> I, I, I see this. Yeah. So, uh, so that is, um, that is, that is one of the re-releases. Yes. The 1400 scale at that too. Just airbrush. Um, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking, right? Like if you're, if you're, if you don't intend to show any of the clearness of it, you can just paint over the whole clear. Yeah. Well, that's what a lot of guys do, and then, then they instead of making their own windows, they'll, they'll oh yeah, uh, don't they kind of tape them. They just yeah. kind of yeah, well, tape it or scratch off the windows because it's all indentations there. And then I actually, uh, you know, since we were talking about uh, the Enterprise C, I had bought a second kit that's actually the same way. It's that translucent. It's built for lighting it up kind of thing where you can paint over it but then the inner hull is designed to absorb light so but there's there's some weird things with that plastic i have a voyager that's also using the same injection mold type plastic um and it was advertised for that that clearness and stuff you know and after do after everything i went through with the enterprise um that was that was one of the new skill i learned doing this was light blocking i watched like three different videos on the whole technique and essentially it's you paint the complete you can paint the inside of the ship black use black to absorb light right black absorbs light and then you put a coat of silver over the top of that and those two layers uh make up the light blocking technique so that way the light bounces around on the inside of the ship 
kind of helping you get that evenness in your lighting, but then also prevents it from going outside the hull of the ship. So that way, you know, when you light it up with these bright lights, it's not shining through the polystyrene and, you know, just looking really messy and stuff. And that conquered that challenge too. That was, that was a wild one. I was like, man, this is, this is cool. Uh, then you start really like OCDing the ship in the dark. All right. <laughs> Where I just glued that. Now there's light coming through. So, and of course the reverse technique is what you use as well. If you have sections that have thinner paint or didn't quite apply enough, then you paint the outside of the ship and then you paint over it, which is another reason why I wanted to do the airbrush it because the paint is so thin, but it applies so well. So the, you know, it doesn't, it's, it still has a lot of the qualities. I want to say that the thicker paints do, but you know, in terms of color and how they react to light and stuff, but it's not so thick that like when you go to try to paint over it, especially with like airbrushing, you get a nice even coat. And that's one of the challenges I had with this one is because I didn't have that technique. So got really good with like a, a, a brush. And then of course me, like I get OCD about it. I'm like, dang it. How do I have these paint lines? And I got to sand it. Oh, dang it. Now I got to go back again because light's coming to where I sanded it. And, so it's just a challenge. It's a cat and mouse game, really. It is. It is. So. So I see you got uh, some pictures of this in front of a green screen. You're gonna be doing any any filming? You're gonna get a uh, a flyby in space, doc. So probably nothing that dynamic. I don't know. So uh, I have a I have a friend of mine who who does all of my my art stuff and. Um, we, because of this interview coming up, we were like, well, how do we do this? How do we crank out like an easy video? And what, you know, what can I do? Like I green screen everything for myself, um, currently because I have three kids and it's just house behind me. It's not like, you know, the cool streamer rooms and stuff like that with LEDs everywhere. Maybe someday I'll have that. But for now, I make do with my little corner of space and I hide my house behind me by putting up a giant green screen <laughs> and it works. But um, so I thought that, you know, with that, with that knowledge, like, like, hey, OK, well, we can try to film something or put something together with a combination of AI and chroma key and we'll make something really cool. And I'm like, hey, man, this interview is in like three days. What can you crank out? <laughs> He's like, I need this and this. I'm like, OK. Here's the entire photo dump, everything that I did on progress. Here's some songs. We were like listening to Spotify together, trying to pick songs that we would, we would, you know, put together for this uh, themed off of like actual songs from the movies that like you'd listen to it and you, you, you get the feeling it's the enterprise. You get that, you, you relive that moment that you see her and you're just like, Oh, this is good I mean, stuff. That, that first time they fly around it in motion picture, right? That kind of vibe. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So um, with a little bit of Klingon music sauce in the middle, just because uh, one, I really enjoyed The Undiscovered Country is a very good movie. Um, I always wanted to see Sulu fly her apart. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, you know, so uh, some of the music was from that, and then some of it was from from the original motion picture too, because those are really just inspiring moments when when you see the refit for the first time. So at least they were for me, and that's I figured if we captured that, that other people would feel that too while we put this together. So that's still in the works. I hope to have that completed before you guys are done with your part. In fact, when we get done, I'm taking the model down from her perch. And I happen to have some black cloth this time. I'm going to try to do that because the green screen stuff, it just, it didn't, it didn't pan out. So. I'm with you though. That, that moment in Star Trek Voyage Home where they're like flying the shuttle over to the Enterprise A, but you like dodge past the Excelsior. Then there's this other ship and then they rise above it. And there <laughs> she is, yes. is like, it always gives me chills every yes. time. Yes. 
Yep, it's a very pretty ship. And can we just take a moment to really appreciate like Sulu's dedication to be there for his former captain by just telling his Elm officer, destroy the ship, man. We're going. We're doing this. <laughs> oh, man. I, that, that's such a – I love that moment so much. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to throw his coffee cup at him. <laughs> I've already broke one this week, Mr. Gear. <laughs> Yeah, because it's like six months later or something. Mm. Yeah, man. Oh, what a rush. I haven't even watched those at the house yet. I probably should do that. Yeah. Or you I could will... wait like a month or two. Yeah, yeah, my birthday's around that time. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, B- man. Binge watch all of them, except for, except for what is it? Uh, except for five, right? No, we watch five too. We're okay with five. Okay. I see. I'm one of the rare few, and this is tangential to talking about models. But I'm one of the rare people that actually is like Cybok was right. All a man wanted to do was give some people some therapy. (laughs) I mean, is it really therapy if there's no consent? Um, I mean, when you put it like that, I cannot say. I cannot. I cannot. If I say, no, hold on. Is it really therapy? No, it's not really therapy if there is no consent. Thank you. Um, but but as somebody who needed some rough therapy many, many years ago, I know quite a few people who could benefit from a little bit of share your pain and gain strength from the sharing. More like an intervention then. Yeah. I don't have the telepathy to force that on anybody, though, so it's better from me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh goodness. Uh, well, this is just absolutely beautiful. I keep scrolling up and down to like start over again the model build and um you know, surely uh you know, listeners have seen the cuts and stuff stuff like that. So, uh definitely interested in uh the art that uh, you'll be putting together um sharing on your page. Um you said next up is the nebula uh, I'm Hasn't torn between, I, I'm, yeah, I'm torn between actually the ambassador, the nebula, and the NXO one. Like, I want a simple model. If I take the nebula, that's a whole new challenge. I've not done anything like that scale with resin. So, or I could do the ambassador, which is an absolutely beautiful ship who got very little screen time. She should have got way more. She, she's just such a, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna throw something at you guys because this is the way I look at the. The ambassador class because like every ship is kind of like if you walk down the line in the enterprises it's a bit of a design evolution right but the certain features that have always stayed nxl1 was an exception up until the very end of her theatrical resistance right or not resistance but the existence um where she got her own secondary hull right but i feel like the ambassador is encompasses a lot of the popularity and the beauty of the Connie, but, uh, but some of the new age of uh, the galaxy, right? It's got the shorter nacelles, but it's got a little bit of like the Excelsior class in it too, with the, the pylon design, right? It's very rigid and hooked up just like mm-hmm. the Excelsior nacelle pylons are. But then, like, if you look at the deflector, it's very much like the deflector from the Connie, just a little bit more high-tech, a little bit more new age. And then, of course, the saucer is totally Connie because it's nice and circular where everything else has got weird indentations in it all over the place. You know, the B was like that. The NX-01 was like that. The Constitution was the only one that maintained the circular saucer, right? And then the C which had it and then the D gets the I don't know fruit plate design <laughs> and then the sovereign looks like an airhead so you know it's like when you're playing Mario 64 on the Nintendo 64 and there's that one sort of mini game where you get to pull on Mario's nose and his ears they just did that with the Enterprise mm-hmm. saucers yeah and you press X and it snaps back oh gosh don't get me wrong. I love the I love the galaxy. It's a beautiful ship, and I grew up as a as a teenager watching 
TNG obsessively. Every time the show would come on, I would just watch it. Yeah. So, I but mean, anyways, you you've waxed passionately about the ambassador class, and you've sort of been like mad to the other two. So I feel like <laughs> I feel like you owe it to our fans to get that ambassador out there. <laughs> of course, in your own time. Ah, <sighs> well, challenge uh, accepted. Okay, oh, oh, nice. okay. Yeah, you, yeah. you heard it here first. I, I can actually. I, I I had started the sovereign, but I I'm I'm restarting that one too because of the paint thing. So, and I happen to have two ambassador models, so maybe maybe I can do both. I have the older one from the original plastic from the '90s, and then I have the newer one that just arrived. So. Are there any structural differences in the two models in that case? Uh, just that injection mold I was telling you about. One of them's clear. The other one's solid. It's a solid poly- polystyrene. So Gotcha. But I'm not too, too worried about that. Um, I've already got the resin parts to do the one. So the custom. So I already purchased the, uh, the nacelle housing, the, the blue and the red. So I get that nice illuminated effect versus trying to go through the plastic and do that it just the red the clear resins just light up so much nicer they really do so um and i can't think of any other custom parts i need for that one um outside of the decals the decals will be a challenge but there's uh dag the place that i actually know that has the decals they do the yamaguchi and the enterprise c um uh shares your personal namesake let's put it that way oh okay <laughs> without being obvious uh the the decal place has your has your namesake which is interesting so every time i go there to like look for stuff i think of you like oh <laughs> star trek models i only go there once a month so that way i get my my fix <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> mm-hmm. ah well uh excalibur it's been great having you do you have any socials you want to rep to our audience i don't know um i mean yes i guess i can so i i stream on twitch uh pretty regularly uh you can find me there um so it goes by the moniker of full excalibur 009 that might be something that you have show up later uh, I go by the same on Twitter. The only difference is between Excalibur and Zero Nine is an underscore because somebody who never uses their Twitter account still has that handle, and I still can't get it. Even after Mr. Musk said they were going to release those old accounts, apparently not for me. Shame. Yeah, he did copy my logo, so whatever. <laughs> I had it first. Yeah, many times I heard that after the logo changed, like, hey, look, Elon's taking your logo. <sighs> Tell us when the lawsuit happens. I got proof. I had this first. <laughs> <laughs> Come fight me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then Discord. I do have a YouTube channel, too. Uh, we're starting to get, like, shorts on it just to kind of, like, let people watch the ridiculousness in small doses. So, um, and then we do like a highlight video once a month as well, just best clips and things like that. But um, I play lots of different things. Uh, no, no Star Trek online. I did do that for a time you know, before I started streaming on Twitch and I cannot bring myself to go back into an MMO because Fair it enough. will suck the life out of me and I'll play <laughs> nothing else. I will play nothing else. Can relate. But, but I did enjoy my time in STO and they have done so much of that game since I last played it. Like it's just Oh, yeah. the Mirror Janeway arc was such fun. Uh, now we've got Ezri back and she's also doing like a hell of a job. The voice acting is impeccable. You you have to stop right there because I'm gonna go create another <laughs> account again oh, and I don't want to I mean, do that. Well, no. Did I do that? <laughs> isn't uh is did Nicole return to the role, right? Yeah. yeah. They've got everybody doing the voice acting for mm. I mean, we just got a whole like group combat thing that is Wolf 359 and though they couldn't get the original actor for JP Hansen to do the voice, 
the guy that they got to like impersonate it is really damn close to the original actor man too bad you can't get uh the xo of the saratoga for that voice role you know they just used audio clips from the show oh did they man imagine like avery just being like well i got a paycheck for something i did 30 years ago that's that's nice (laughs) (laughs) he's he's very much not involved in in the fandom by many means like they did the captain's table several if not double digit years ago and that was the last time i remember um hearing about his participation in any fan events so um that's pretty wild um but still you know he's getting royalties for stuff he did 31 years ago can only aspire to be that great it's okay i'll be on star trek in the the episode um I'll be on Star Trek when the series hits uh, Star Trek Shark Jumper, and that'll be the name of the ship. Shark Jumper? Yeah, you know, when it jumps the shark. <laughs> we'll have uh, Exo Fonzarelli. Yeah, it was a perfect moment for that, that Badimtish uh, sound clip right there for you. <laughs> I mean, if it's going to be the shark jumper, you've got to have cetacean ops like on the bridge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll have a cameo from Dar- by Darwin from Sequest DSV. No? Anybody? Am I why the only not, one? Why not by Gracie and what was the name of them? George and Gracie's George and Gracie. kid, too. Yeah, no, we could do George and Gracie's kid. That works. That works. Well, Anyways. everybody, uh, thanks for tuning in to Beyond Trek Podcast presents Excalibur 009 and his amazing Enterprise A. Uh, hit him up on Twitter if you want to let him know how it goes. Hit us up on Twitter if you think that uh, the, the, the Enterprise C is the direction that should come next. Um, and as always, thank you for going boldly with Beyond Trek Podcast. Hey everybody, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to our Patreon and Anchor supporters, to S-Tam and Nora Hickson. Thank you so much for being a part of Beyond Trek Podcast. We are Beyond Trek Podcast. Lower your inhibitions and surrender your years. We will add inspirational and hilarious Trek content to your day. Your attention will adapt to subscribe to us. Resistance is futile.